Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Sports Like a Boss, Anne-Marie Anderson and Holly McPeak. Well, episode with Susie Favor Hamilton was so big that we decided to make it into two parts. Um, the response has been unbelievable. She's just so open about her story, what happened. And I read her book and I couldn't put it down. So you can imagine what she had to say. If you didn't listen to last week's podcast, you want to do that. But this one, we dig in to what happened in Vegas. And there was not a single question that Susie wouldn't answer. So prepare yourself. So Susie, let's go there. Last time we talked, we talked about the hypersexuality kind of kicking in with the Zoloft. The story in Fast Girl, your book, is on your 20th wedding anniversary. You and Mark had an idea to kind of spice things up. Yeah. um, First of all, our marriage at that time was not going well because we were working so hard in our real estate. And we had be- we were number two in the state for selling. So we had 60 clients. It was just me and my husband and an assistant. It was just no too much. I couldn't work out. I couldn't use working out was my drug. That was taken away. I just had a baby, which, by the way, childbirth can also bring on bipolar. Didn't know that. So what was the question again? Because I went <laughs> backwards. 20th anniversary. 20th, okay, plan. yes. That's, yes. The, that's the big, that's the juicy one. So because the marriage wasn't going, we both had talked about rekindling our marriage. Let's do something to spice it up. And let's go to Vegas. So uh, before Vegas, I remember being at home on the bed. And we were on this website looking at different women. And there was a... a Wait, how do you get to looking at different women? <laughs> Like there's some step you, right, you missed right. there. There was some conversation. So we're looking at these women on a um, on an escort site, very high. Um, what do you call it? It was just a very high end, high end, yep. classy website, and we're just looking through. And I'm like, she would be fun to be with because we're planning a threesome. I wanted the girl next door. I'd never been with a woman before. Wait, you left that part out. How did the conversation happen that you're planning a threesome? Well, my husband and I, I think he had always known that I was bisexual, but yet, you know, being this proper girl who had to be perfect and, you know, you don't tell the world that you're bisexual. Oh my God, God forbid. And um, so he knew that just by the way I would talk about certain women or something. And so he was like, you know, let's try this fantasy. And the thing is, after being an escort, it's not uncommon. Again, it's just something people don't talk about. It's Honestly, it's no big deal. My daughter knows she's 13. She kind of laughs about it because she said, Mom, I can see you, but Dad, I, don't, I can't see him. And she's just laughing about it. Um, so that experience, we ended up jumping out of an airplane that morning. And then that evening, we had the threesome. She came knocking on the door, the hotel 
room came in she was the girl next door in jean shorts and a t-shirt and um, for one hour we had this incredible experience for me it was life-changing because I finally had been with a woman for the first time at age 42 so I'm really discovering my sexuality at a you know way later but you know and with my husband's consent it was totally fine um the experience for the threesome for him of course it was great you know i mean most men who are married right. and they good would, ideas wouldn't Susie. mind to have yeah. a threesome <laughs> if it'll you make know? you happy honey yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um so yeah it was great for him but for me it was life-changing because it was something that i found that could replace the high from my running and i didn't really quite realize that at the time and so because of that, my husband and I, we've had, we had a lot of conversation after that, and I was telling him how alive I felt. I, for the first time since my running, I'm like, I am so alive, and that's when we decided to open up our marriage. And I had permission to explore. It was mainly more me than him, and I started a progression going to Vegas, meeting people. I'd never in my life picked up a man in a bar because my only sex partner was my husband my entire wow. life mm-hmm. and so now there's this freedom and I, I couldn't believe how easy it was to pick somebody up in a bar control again yeah right? and so I was starting to discover how I had the power over men and then again it progressed and progressed I hired a gigolo that was good but I had to keep taking it up a notch now is this because of the medicine that you felt that, that, I, that sex became your drug of choice you know when I first came out with my book and I was doing interviews I was saying yeah it was because of of you know of the medicine but you know looking back now I realize you know I'm a sexual person and that's okay and I think I didn't want to talk about it because of embarrassment and I didn't I I wanted to portray it that I'm still perfect and it was this that caused it. Got it. So interesting progression, yeah, isn't yeah. it? So now, I mean, I'm just so much more open in what I talk about. There really isn't any limit to what I'll say because we I, love that about yeah. you. Yeah, you're owning it. Which is I own it, and I, I feel like I'm not as uncommon as people may think. Or listening to this, there could be people listening to it say, "Yeah, I did the threesome," or "I still partake in in that." Yeah. So it's not uncommon. And it's just something we need to bring out and discuss so people feel that they're not doing something wrong. As, as long as there's consent, then it's two adults have every reason to do what they want in their privacy, and, and that's okay. And that's what I've come to own and understand. And when I'm life coaching, I help couples with that because I deal with mainly sex issues. Mm-hmm or cheating affairs or open marriages or people wanting to open their marriage. How do they do this? So um, it's been, who would have ever thought that I would go be where I was to get to a place where I am now, where I'm so open in talking about my sexuality or other people's fantasies or dreams or what they want to do. But what about somebody discovering what, I mean you were going to Vegas right. and you I, were checking in as Susie Favor or, or what no, was your story well I would check into the hotel rooms and I had to have really high end hotels and 
I was spending so much money. In that year, I spent 20000 on just hotels um, going to Vegas back and forth. That's bipolar, yeah, right? That, just, yeah. So the spending or giving away money mm-hmm. is part of bipolar. Um, risky behaviors, so I started drinking a lot. More risky behaviors. The clients liked it that I was crazy and I would do anything. And so if I drank, I would get even crazier. Remember bringing right. on the mania. Yeah. Um, so, and I kind of skipped ahead. So after my exploration in Vegas, and then that's when I told my husband I want to just try it once. Try he, what once? Being an escort. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, he was reluctant. Like, why do you want to do this? But he also knew that I had lived such a closed in life because all I did was train and he sees that I'm alive and he likes this person who is alive and happy Mm -hmm. versus the one who's depressed and so the first time I had the appointment with the with the guy it was so easy you know people always ask me weren't you nervous knocking on the on the door to the suite I said absolutely not didn't even phase me it was like I'd been doing this for years and years my whole life how'd you get the appointment like how did that I through the agency I had met with the woman who ran the agency because we had already talked to her when we hired somebody through the threesome got it, it same agency that, that you same. used to hire now you wanted to work for them yeah okay yeah and and just once but literally once turned into a year wow incredible year and do I regret what I did absolutely not and do I feel shame for what I do? What I did? Absolutely not. Did I enjoy it? Yeah, there were many, many things that I truly enjoyed about it. Was it unsafe? I felt everybody was screened very, very well, but anybody can snap at any time. But honestly, what I was doing was more safe than picking somebody up at a bar because the person in the bar hasn't been screened. Mm-hmm. You have no idea about that person. So at least I had that screening process, and most of the men were married. That didn't even cross my mind during this all. I wasn't looking for a husband. Um, I you already had one. At yeah, home. yeah, yeah, yeah. And not that I didn't care if they weren't married. I, I did have a heart feeling like I wonder what's going on in their relationship. And some of them would tell me mm-hmm. what was happening. And it was interesting. The men always blame the women. Shocker. Yeah, it was always. And being a woman, I would sometimes I would speak up and say, you know, maybe you're too into your work and you're never home and you're not a part of the children's life. There's, you know, uh, uh, when there's an affair involved, it's it's both parties that need to discuss what led that person to having an affair. And it's both sides versus just the one person. And in our society, if it's a man who's having an affair, there's so many times the woman just wants to blame the guy. It's your fault. You did this. You ruined our life. But in reality, there's more to it. And that's, that's the problem. And that's where I feel like with my journey, I really want to help try and save marriages. But then again, some marriages shouldn't be saved. There's a lifespan. And that is totally okay. There's no failure involved in that. And in many ways, an affair 
can be a great thing. And people are going to go, why in the hell would what? you say yeah. such a thing? An affair can lead you to figuring out the problem that got you to that point. And that's the beauty of it. If people really want to try and save a marriage and really dive in and find out what the issues are, that's great. And if you dive in and find out what the issues are and it's just not going to work, well, that's great too. So there's so many benefits from this affair. Instead of hating, if it's the husband for it, instead of hating the husband, you know, let's get along. Let's try and work to have a good life together and not resent the person for the rest of your life and get along and look at it as it's leading us down a different path of happiness and new opportunities. So for me, um, you know, if for some reason my husband had divorced me during that time, it would have been incredibly difficult because I didn't have the knowledge and the skills that I have now about why something like that happens. So I tr- again, I try to help educate people on it, saying, you know, it might have been the best thing for your marriage because you either separated or you figured out the problem. And sometimes problems aren't fixable. And that's okay, too. It's totally fine. You talk about knocking on the door, but yeah. you're going to do it one time. Yeah. So as, as much as you'll tell us in terms of, uh, did he know that it was your one time you were going to do this, this, this client? Like, how it's, it's how'd you so, know what to do? How'd I you know what to do? I didn't know the background. that w- I didn't know what was happening behind the scenes. But the woman who I had met with who was running the agency, she had put me with her top client. Oh. It's kind of a test. And so he was also a friend of hers. So I was the, the specimen to be tested out. I didn't know this at all until, you know, years, years afterwards. And what happened was I obviously passed the test and he hired me two more times that weekend before he went back to Texas because he was a cowboy. It was a cowboy rodeo festival. Literally, he was a cowboy with a cowboy hat. And um, I passed the test. And then that's when I started my, the agency said, you know what, why don't you do it again? They, they, really liked you and next thing I knew oh I have another client it just went on and went on and the money was enticing and I would lie if I didn't say it was but you're given cash in your hands I mean this is cash you don't have to report it you you have you know all all this and it's building I love in my cash s- I know it's building in my <laughs> so does Susie <laughs> I just, just saying yeah it's a it's a for me, it was uh, something, an accomplishment that I did on my own. For the first time, I didn't need a coach. I didn't need anybody to be strong and powerful and make all this money. And that gave me power. And then I realized that I had the power over these men, very high profile, who wanted to surrender their power. And maybe their job was so intense and they were taking care of every problem in the world. And they just wanted an hour or two to forget everything. And I was the one who could help them just forget everything and bring this crazy excitement. And I know from sexual experiences that the high of sex can carry over for days and days. It's a, it's a very, very powerful drug. And everybody, it's, you know, there's an opportunity for many people to have that. And 
again, I, I, we were consenting adults. It's, it was more on the guy's part that they were cheating. And it was their, but that, that's their issue. That, that wasn't my job. My job, and I, I took it very serious. But I also was in such an unhealthy place because I was drinking. I was doing tons of ecstasy. Um, I wasn't in a place where I should have been doing this mentally. And, and what did your husband have to say at that time? Because you said, oh, I'm just going to do it once. But then you continued to do it and you enjoyed it. Right. What was he I saying? I hid it from, I didn't tell him details of what was going on. I would tell him a few things. And, you know, he. It, it's hard for some people to understand this. We had opened our marriage. So it wasn't the sex that bothered him at all. Okay. It was me who was getting out of control. He did not want that and so i hid that part okay. from him what what's the example of out the of control uh, the drinking maybe having uh, you know sex with five guys and not even you know thinking like you know maybe i could get an std maybe um th- there were consequences with that you didn't tell him like five I d- guys no and yeah. i never told him that and i didn't tell how crazy we were he knows now um, if he oh, listens yeah. to the podcast yeah no, I'm just it's kidding. a podcast and it's in the book yeah because yeah, 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 in the book i'm yeah very it's a great honest. book i i talk i couldn't ab- put down the book oh, by the way thank you yeah. you did a really good job with that yeah and i talk about you know excessive fast girl it's called yeah. fast girl and excessive i excessive masturbation is also a part of bipolar and i was demonstrating this behavior it was a quick fix to feel good and i do believe that many of my clients were bipolar too Oh. And sex addicts, tons of sex addicts. Um, I was even during that time. I was able to pinpoint uh, some of the sex addicts. It was very easy to do that. But how not, did you pinpoint them? Oh, I remember a client. He was there for the weekend, and he never left his room. And he had porn going twenty four seven. And the girls would just kind of come in one by one after another. Oh and wow! So that he, is scary. It's scary, and it's really, um, it's it's sad. The fact that he had some serious trauma going on in his life, and he wasn't addressing it. He was covering it up. It's like maybe his excess. Uh, sex was to an extreme like some people pick heroin they want that drug that's you know this could kill you Um, in his case you know the sex could become you know a disease an std of some sort and could ruin his marriage because he brings back an std to his wife and you know that's the problem with sex. It has to be done in a healthy way. And that's why I always say consent from both sides is very important. So Mark knew that you were going back and forth to Vegas. He didn't know the details, but he knew right. you were an escort. Right. So at that time as well, you were doing some running events like yes. the rock and roll marathon. So I, I mean, my heart's going in terms of your Susie favor Hamilton at these at the rock and roll marathon right and then you're an escort weren't you thinking somebody's gonna put two and two together i was so delusional another um symptom of bipolar so delusional that an invincible i felt like nobody could touch me and when i i I was working for disney and rock and roll marathon and the day 
the day I started, I did the rock and roll marathon. Uh, the rock and roll. Your first client? Thing? Yeah. That, that was the rock and roll marathon that I worked that weekend. In and, Vegas. In Vegas. And then I saw my first client. A year to that date, I'm working the rock and roll marathon again, seeing clients. I had just seen a client. I'm about to go on air to... Um, I'm going to do the doc. Um, I'm going to tell play by play of the race. I just seen a client literally an hour before because I'm running late to get yeah. to the stage where I have to talk about the race. And I get a, I get a text on my phone as I'm talking on air. Cause I'm kind of looking at my text and I'm texting a client as I'm on air. Oh, wow. And the client that I had just seen, he's like, is that you on TV? I'm, I'm talking, uh, that's you on TV right now. Wow. Yeah. And it, the thing is, I had already been busted the night before I was outed. And it, I still see a client the next day. I'm on TV, sexting. Nothing had changed. Why would anything change? I How were you outed? Um, a client had told a tabloid on me. The client was... Um, a sociopath that I find out now because he had no remorse for trying to ruin my life. And he called the tabloid to tell the tabloid that this runner, you need to find her in Vegas. She's going to be doing the rock and roll marathon and you'll find her there and you can approach her. And the client was upset because I couldn't see him. And he thought that I was, you know, I stood him up for some reason. I couldn't. I was living a double life. And I was doing something else that weekend. I couldn't be there. And uh, he was angry. And I know, isn't it bizarre? Just one, something like that. But he, had, he, he has severe mental illness himself. That, um, it, you know, again, I, I doubt he'll ever look at himself in any negative way that maybe there's something wrong with him. Um, he had a girlfriend. He had a wife. And then I was now the new mistress. Um, I saw him three times and he had fallen in love. I was going to say, was this the guy in your book who said he was in love with you and he wanted to be your husband? I'm sure there there, were There was two more. Okay. Yeah, but this guy, um, he... I don't, I don't give him a lot of um, mention in the book okay. just because um, he is a sociopath. And I, I've never revealed his name or anybody else's name. My writer knows his name. There's a few that know it. Um, but I don't believe in ever revealing his name because then I'm, I'm basically just like him. I have no remorse for hurting another person's life. And I would ruin his life. Probably his wife would divorce him. He has children. Everything would go wrong. I'm, I'm lucky because I have a husband and a daughter that want to discuss and understand things and not judge me and just be out the door. And not everybody has that. What so, was, yeah, what was the hardest thing about being outed? I mean, you said the next day you're still doing it. So when did it become real? It only, so when I was outed, the, the tabloid guy said, I'm going to give you two weeks and this story I'm going to publish in two weeks. And I, I, I felt that there was some way I could deny it or talk him out of it. So that's why when I was outed right away, it didn't really hit me. It hit me and I would have up and down moments, but mainly it was, this guy's not going to hurt me. There, there's no way. I'm, in, you know, I'm invincible. Um, so I did finally recognize that 
maybe a week later, he's like, no, it's coming out. And he's like, you better tell your family and your loved ones because they're going to be shocked if they don't hear it from you. And that was probably the hardest moment was calling my parents and my husband calling his parents to say, "Uh, by the way, Dad, um, I was an escort in Vegas, but Dad, I was ranked number two. And it was... You know, I, I remember that conversation so well. And in my mind, I felt like he was proud of me because I was number two in, in the world. Like in my running, I never had that Olympic medal. But in some warped way in my head, I really felt like he'll be proud of me. And obviously, he wasn't proud of me. He was devastated. And I had hurt them greatly, which is the one thing I could, if I could take that back, I would. I would take back the pain that I caused caused my loved ones. I don't feel any responsibility to have to apologize to the public because this is my life. This has nothing to do with you. But for my family and my husband's family, yes, absolutely. And I apologized and said, I'm very sorry. I never intended to hurt anybody this was about me and many times when something like this happens the loved ones around you make it about them so they were so embarrassed and better to push away from Susie when really this is about me I need the support I need the love I need the understanding but it's it's easy and that's kind of the easy way just ignore push her away whereas my husband and daughter they they separate we separated for a little while for my daughter's um we wanted her to be around a mom that was healthy and I wasn't healthy at that time so we had to separate I was in Malibu and he was back in Wisconsin from with Kylie and they would fly out every 10 days to visit me in Malibu and slowly I progressed and got better and better and then was able to go back to Wisconsin just for two years and then we moved back out to LA a little more clarification on sure. the the guy who called the smoking gun yeah. to out you so he knew who you were. Then. He knew. So yes. there were so there were a couple people who knew. So I know you talked about the man who was watching you on TV, but first this guy knew who you were. How did he find out? Who I you had were? told six clients. You told them who you were. Yeah, because you do that, I Susie? felt <laughs> I felt that okay, that will make the excitement even better. And I like these clients; they're fun to be with. So they'll want to be with me more if they know. Oh, I'm with an Olympian. I've never had that experience. So that was me um being reckless risk taking again risky risky behavior yeah and i trusted these people really you know got it so you told him and then he got mad right so uh, uh, just for kind of timeline the man who called you and said i see you right now you you were just with him yep i literally saying i see you right now what did you do i said no that's not me (laughs) <laughs> no, clearly it's me and he can see me on TV. Deny, deny, deny. Yeah. That's yeah. what so many people do in life. Yeah. Say, I didn't do that. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. yeah. Deny, deny. That's what I was told by the agency. Just deny everything. Interesting. Yeah. But it was impossible because I was on a website and it said every act that I did, it, it it sh- clearly showed that I was an escort. There was prostitution, sex for money. Um, so there was no way to deny this. It's not your as- face, though, on there. Yeah. 
Uh, my face uh, kind of covered up. Some of them, you could still kind of make it out. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that is really oh, so risk-taking, which is a risky. huge component of yeah. bipolar. And again, you yeah. know, we started our conversation with mental illness. And right. so you can really see it there because to the rest of us, we're thinking you have all these endorsements and contracts and things that you don't want to give up. It isn't about the sex necessarily in terms of judgment. It's don't give up your career. Right. Right. But Absolutely. you didn't, you didn't connect those Not things at together. All. Not at all. So naive. And control. Yeah. And control, that became the huge issue in being an escort. I had control over the powerful men. And I realized afterwards why that power became important to me. It wasn't the, I think people think, oh, I was there to feel good sexually, to get off. It wasn't that at all. None of that. And people have a hard time believing that. But it was the power that... um, made me feel so alive. I mean, if people say, oh, did you have lots of orgasms? I'm like, absolutely not. I was no. the best faker in the world. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. So you didn't enjoy the sex? Um, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't... The, the sex was me controlling them. I'll pin you down. I'm in control here. So it was, it was a different type of feeling. You know, sex with my husband is, you know, there's love, there's love, there's passion. Um, with the men, it was control. Like, no, you're going to do that, and I'm going to control you. And that made me feel really good. It's just like power is a scary thing in this world today, as we see on TV and the news constantly. Um, And you can see how power makes somebody feel and they get addicted to that. That's what I was I was demonstrating how incredible power can make you feel. Well, and the no control in your childhood house growing up over the chaos, right? right? The no No control, no voice, the coach is telling you what to do, telling you to diminish your, you know, your, your breasts, another coach telling you not to have sex before races. We didn't talk about that. So all of that led to this moment where when you felt control, you were going to control as much as you could. Absolutely. And I loved it. Did you think you would never get caught? I thought I would, honestly, I know people are like, you're telling people your name, what do you, of course you're going to get caught. But I didn't think that, because that's part of the bipolar. That's legit bipolar where you become delusional. And, you know, I was spouting out, yeah, I was telling like the, uh, the driver, I had a driver, I, we had bought a condo at Trump towards the end of my escorting and they knew the hotel some of the staff knew I was an escort and I literally would get rides from the staff to clients yeah it would take me to I mean Vegas is first of all escorting is illegal and prostitution is legal is illegal in Vegas. There's the Bunny Ranch. I think it's like a half an hour outside of Vegas where it's legal. But Vegas uh, escorts, prostitute, whatever the name you want to use, it brings in so much business for Vegas. So they don't want to go after the women. You can go on websites and it's just the woman who's selling herself. And they, they're fine with that. They don't want to see an agency in Vegas. They don't want to see a, a 
you know, they don't want to know about it, basically. But yet the casinos, the cab drivers, the limos, they're all in it. So if you go to Vegas and you ask a cab driver, where can I, where can I hire a girl? They'll give you a number and a name. It's, it's very easy. But um, they don't really want to display this out in, to everybody. But if you're in the know, you realize how easy it is. I find it interesting that you said I'm number two, because right. there's the competitive athlete. Right. I don't. Right. How, how you? How do you rank? I don't understand how that's ranking happens. There was a a, a site where clients could go to that site and basically do a review on the escort. And so if you got a 10, if you kept getting 10s, you're, you kept moving up on the site. So I kept getting great reviews. You knew about the, you oh, wanted yeah. the reviews. Oh yeah. I was working. I would even tell a client, do you want to give me a review? I'll, I'll stay an extra hour. Wow. If you, if you oh, give me you're a competitive. 10. Yeah. I was working the system. I was manipulating just like they were manipulating me. And um, so I kept going up and up and I became number two. And I realized the girl who was number one was a friend of mine, but there was no way I could compete with her. Um, She just had the curve, perfect curvy body, beautiful. And she was 30 and I'm 42. So my age couldn't compete with that. But, um, yeah, she, that came... And your book you had a really nice nugget on her that, you know, and I'll say everything on the podcast, yeah. but that she could climax five times. Right. Wink, wink. Right. right? Exactly. Like, and we yeah. all know that that's the... She was faking, too. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But the client, it, it's part... Yeah, it's, part it. yeah. it's part of the deal because then the man feels, oh, my God, I'm so good. I am just the stud. Do you see what happened? So for the men listening out there, you know... It doesn't always happen, <laughs> and women are pretty good at faking it, but um, it doesn't mean that they're not enjoying it if they fake it. Um, but I, I just, I kind of, I was with the, the woman who was ranked number one. We had an appointment together, and it actually was with the guy who outed me. Oh. Yeah, isn't that bizarre? That's crazy. And... Um, yeah, she she and I would kind of lock eyes when he wasn't looking yeah. and kind of laugh, like yeah. smile. Like, so we were manipulating him. Yeah. Yeah. How did the running world react to this? They, the running world was uh, shocked, just like anybody else would yeah. be in the situation of who I was. And um, it took time for runners to embrace me again. Um, and I think, again, that becomes an issue about them versus me. So they're internalizing it about themselves. Like, oh, she's making all runners look bad. Yeah. It, it, it's weird how society does that instead of thinking, I wonder, there might be something wrong here. No, it's, oh, she's bad. And what a disgrace to the running world. So the, the running sites were awful. You know, people are so cruel and the trolls. But I'm, I'm so beyond that. Yeah. It's, you know, the cruelty of others is about them. True. And once people realize that, they won't get so attached to that cruelty and it, they won't dwell on it. They'll be able to brush it aside. And I actually feel an, a tremendous amount of compassion for the trolls that troll me, even though there aren't any... Re- I mean, there's a few now, but it's, it's hardly any. And if they do, 
um, usually I'd ignore, but sometimes I'll address, and uh, which is interesting because I addressed this one troll, and I said, you know, I, there might be some sexual trauma in your life, and that's why you're lashing out, and I'm really sorry about that. Basically, uh, the guy wrote me back and said, he, he's like, you nailed it. Oh. I d- I've had some really bad experiences, and I'm very sorry that I did that to you. So it was just proof. I mean, the guy didn't have to to admit that, but it, it just showed that, yes, it's about them and some type of trauma that they've had. What was the lowest moment? The lowest moment was the day I was outed and um, Mark said, we're going for a drive, get in the car, because I was hysterical at that point. And um, I can't remember where he was taking me. I think we were going to the beach, and I remember going down the canyon from his parents, and at the stoplight we turned, and there was an argument between us, and he, he was going pretty fast, and I leaned over, I took my seatbelt off, and I was grabbing the door to open it. And I remember looking back and kind of having this vision of myself rolling on the highway. If you land, how was my body going to end up? And um, I clearly remember that. And he slammed on the brakes, and then I didn't have my seatbelt on, so I rammed right into the dashboard. Um, but thank God, it, like I said, a, a suicide can happen within seconds. It can happen within a minute. Because when I got in that car to go down the canyon road, that wasn't going through my head that I want to die. Yeah. It only happened when that argument started. And I realized, God, what have I done? What, how many people have I hurt? And I never intended it for it to end this way. And um, that was the lowest point. I did have another attempt after that uh, where I, I was starting medication for Xanax. That day with the car ride, my husband pulled over and we, he called the doctor. Um, and within like an hour, I was on Xanax. And I was drugged for a good month, literally. I was having um, six, six Xanax a day just wow. to kind of shut my brain off and not... I was still going to therapy um, and seeing the doctor almost every day, but I had to shut my brain off when I was by myself. To keep you safe? To keep me safe, yeah. How did you and Mark stay together? We, that was a tough road, and, you know, this, another project that I am working on will kind of explain the most important part of this story because my book ends with Susie was diagnosed with bipolar. That literally is the end of the story. And so the recovery is a whole nother story um, of sadness, um, happiness, coming together, separating. There's so many ups and downs in that whole story. Another 250 pages were written about that recovery, but it was cut from the book. And I, I don't quite understand why they cut it, except 
they told me that books can only be so long for people. Unless you're these top authors that, you know, they just sell tons of books. They can write as long as they want. But in my case, it had to be a certain amount of pages or people just wouldn't buy it. We would have kept reading both of us. (laughs) We want more. But it's a great story of how we came together. And, you know, we'll have to do a, if you want me back, we'll have to do another podcast on that part. Because I I think I know, actually, that's the part that's really going to help a lot of people. I think a lot of people who read the book, they love reading about the sex and the craziness, and that's what sells books. But in reality, um, the part that is the best that's going to really help people to try to come together and mend things is my recovery journey. I don't need to check with my partner to see if we want you back. (laughs) We do. When you're ready to have that discussion with us, we would be honored to have that discussion with you. That would be fabulous. And hopefully the project will get moving and be done in the next year, which would be great because I can't wait to talk about um, there's so much and so, you know, the places we've come to to this day are pretty fascinating on where we've taken our relationship well the strength that you're showing owning your story and sharing it is amazing because that's how people learn yeah and you know for people listening out there whatever you've done that you feel shame about you know you did it for a reason there was some reason that drove you to this point to feel that shame you didn't want to you didn't want to be shamed but you had to do it and that's the part where I want to help people to be able to let that shame go and make them understand you did it for a reason and the reason is you needed it at that time and it's okay we you move on and just know that that's that was your coping mechanism whatever it was if you're feeling shame from drug overdose or you've become an alcoholic or you were sleeping with so many people and whatever the situation is it's okay People, everybody is flawed in this world. And the more you're flawed, the more I'm going to love you. You know, I'm just, I'm not a part of the perfect persona of people on the outside. I'm like, just show me your flaws. Be real. Don't you think the older we get, the the less we judge people? I think we're more secure in ourselves. If the world would stop judging and if people would stop judging and just maybe listen, acknowledge, it may not be for you. And people who are listening to my story now, if you're judging, take a look at yourself. But I feel like your audience isn't an audience to judge. And it's a safe audience. And that's why I like doing this podcast because I feel like there'll be compassion and understanding from the listeners versus, you know, God, she's a slut or a whore. You know, I hear that. If somebody says, oh, you're a slut, I'm like, so what? Can we make that a good term versus, you know, you're maybe you sleep with a lot of people and you're a stud. Well, then a slut can be a good name too. So we don't not? care what those people think. Exactly. We yeah. don't. Yeah. We're so disinterested in what those people think. <laughs> right. And we're so grateful for your time and your generosity of spirit and welcoming us into your home. And we would love to come back when you're ready. That would be fantastic. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Like what you heard? Get new episodes of Sports Like a Boss every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review so you don't miss a show. 